Welcome back to Team Talk, ESPN Radio 1017. The team, Sam Hauser, here till 7. Tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., right here on ESPN Radio 1017. The team, you'll hear Mike Adams 2.0, and he's got a very special guest on his show tomorrow. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but for right now, Mike Adams 2.0 with us here on Team Talk. He's on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline, and Mike, I certainly want to dive into UFC 270, but talking about the Cowboys in the last segment, it's been a, a a sore subject around town this week here for Cowboy fans. Certainly, we are a Cowboys affiliate here on 1017. The team, you're you know you're always you know keeping an eye on on everything that's going on football and otherwise. So I I, I got to get your thoughts. How you think this offseason is going to go for the Cowboys and and what's going to happen with the coaches if you think they're going to get fired or not? Well, I'll tell you what's interesting, Sam. Thanks for having me on. When it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, I've said this uh, for a long time. Over the course of the past eight years, I felt the Cowboys had the most talent and the best possible team to win the Super Bowl. Uh, unfortunately, they come up short consistently, and the days of Aikman, Irvin, and Emmett will always be talked about, the days of Staubach. And will they ever get to the Super Bowl again in the next 10 years? Will they make changes? I'm sure of it. I don't know if it's the coach. I don't know if they need a different offensive uh, coordinator. But at the end of the day, there will be changes made in Cowboy fan. It's disheartening in two two aspects. Most talent last eight years should at least won two Super Bowls. Uh, Cowboy fan, I can see where they're they're hurting a little bit, Sam. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I uh, it was a couple of years ago that I really went on a uh, on a whole run of this, and I firmly believed it, and and got crushed by Cowboy fans that you know, especially uh, last year and and the year before, where it wasn't even playoffs; it was just regular season disappointment. That that there was way too much talent on this team for for them to be playing like that. And I had people crush me for you know, look at their record, look at the final score. How can you say there there's talent? Because there was so much individual talent, but it wasn't being coached, and just whatever, whether it was coaches or players, they weren't making the most of of that talent, and a lot of it did get wasted, Mike. Yeah, and here's the thing. When you look at it from top to bottom, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, you look at Zeke Elliott, you look at Dak. I mean, those guys, you can compare their numbers to anybody's numbers. At the end of the day, you look at the offensive coordinators who are now head coaches, and you look at the schemes that they're running for these different teams. Uh, maybe it's time to see a new offensive coordinator. Maybe it's time uh, that they need to. I don't know the head coach because uh, McCarthy's a proven winner. I think you've got to give him another year, but uh, sometimes you have to make changes. And, and, and here's the thing. If you stay with who you have, understand the talent. See, the hardest thing, Sam, I'm guessing when you're a coach, is coaching talented people. Because you got to get to their best assets and attributes and qualities, and then you got to understand them a little bit more, and that's what makes the great coaches great. No, it's so true, and so a lot to look forward to. It's going to certainly uh, should be a busy off season for the Cowboys. We're talking to Mike Adams, two point He's with us here on ESPN Radio one hundred one seven, the team, and you can hear his show here on one hundred one seven, the team, tomorrow morning. All right, so you, so you'll have your show tomorrow morning, Mike, and then after that, we got UFC two seventy. Tomorrow night, uh, Francis Ngannou and Cyril Ghosn as the main event. The heavyweight unification bout is is what we're going with, with Cyril Ghosn as the interim heavyweight champion. Francis Ngannou trying to get his belt back. What do you make of the whole interim situation? We got another one with Aljamain Sterling, too. 
in the lower weight class. He's got a couple of interim championship belts out there. What do you make of, of that whole situation with having interim champions? Well, it's interesting because the UFC came up with interim champions, right? And it's when they feel like the champions uh, are being difficult to matchmake or they feel like, hey, you've been on the shelf for way too long, so we're going to make it interesting. The interim title makes it extremely interesting for this reason. Because to me, I don't think you can become interim champion. For me, the word interim is just a play on words to say, hey, look, you were champion. Now we have a champion holding your belt. Can you come get it back? And when you look at Francis Ngannou, here's the interesting thing about Francis, Sam, that people forget. When he knocked out Alistair Overeem, it was probably the most brutal knockout in UFC history. Mm -hmm. Then he gets the title fight against Stipe Miocic, which he loses. The first time he fought Stipe, he loses. But then his road back, Sam, this is what people forget. How many guys he had to beat to come back to this moment? And he was fighting guys like Rosenstruck. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on. At the end of the day, when he came back and beat Miocic, Francis Ngannou reached that pinnacle. But he reminds you of that one-punch power, kind of like you know, I was talking to Michael Frankel the other day, and I said, he reminds me a lot of Deontay Wilder. And, mm. and Gon is going to come in like Tyson Fury. And look at the road Gon's had to take. Undefeated, uh, undefeated kickboxer, undefeated MMA fighter. This is, this is the one, Sam, 270, that you do not want to miss. No, I would absolutely agree with that. This is, this is going to be such a must-watch fight. I mean, so with that, actually, where where would you put this? Because we've seen, like, uh, the last six to eight months, we've seen just some unbelievable cards. We've seen uh, fights with anticipation and build up with McGregor and Poirier and and some of these other championship fights with uh, with you know with uh, with, uh, with Nama Yunus. Like we've seen some incredible fights that have had the build up, and they've certainly paid off in the end. So just with everything that's going on around this fight with Ngannou and Cyril Gan, like where would you put that? Over the last, you know, six, eight, ten months. I'll tell you what, for anticipation purposes, uh, I'd put it probably at one. Just for the moment, the anticipation. You know, you start talking about this since Wednesday. Who's bringing the chips? Who's bringing the beverages? This is a fight that gets talked about. Now, on a pay-per-view scale, I don't know how well it does because when you look at the names, right? Gone and Ganu, do they really draw pay-per-view buys? So over the course of the last 10 months, from a UFC perspective, I'd say this is the most anticipated I want to watch as a fan. And I think if fans just tune in, Sam, you'll become an instant fan of the sport. This could get, this could get, I just don't want it to be so brutal. Remember when Ngannou knocked out Overeem? I don't want to, I mean, that was brutal. But Gon is so technical. I mean, this is a fight that I think will remind you of Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder when it's all done. And I love that comparison, especially as it relates to this fight with these two guys in particular, because you know when you talk about the heavyweights in boxing, and especially you know it's been it's been those two, uh, you know it's it's been those two lately. It's been Deontay Wilder and and Tyson Fury, but you know like anytime there's a heavyweight title fight in boxing, you know say you know, people have their different opinions about the state of boxing now compared to 10, 15, 20 years ago. But when there's a heavyweight fight in boxing, you are stopping everything that you're doing to sit down and watch that fight. It doesn't seem like UFC necessarily is, is nearly as invested 
in the heavyweight division as it is in so many of the others because there are star fighters in the other weight classes, uh, Mike. Well, and think about this because that's a great point, Sam. But uh, when Tyson was the pay-per-view king, he kind of handed that baton to Oscar De La Hoya, who at the time was fighting at 47, 54. Heck, he started even in the lower weights. Then he handed that baton to Mayweather. If you go over to the UFC, right, and you say, who are those biggest pay-per-view draws ever? Well, it started with Connor when the pay-per-view started to go out of the roof. And if you look at the top pay-per-views ever, Connor's there. Brock Lesnar, nobody missed a Brock Lesnar fight. And then it went to Connor, which, which coincidentally, right, goes back to the lower weight class. I think the heavyweights now have some serious drawing power, but even Fury and Deontay Wilder can't pull the numbers that a Mayweather did or a Manny Pacquiao did. And and Gone, as much as me and you want to see it, will not pull the numbers as a Connor or a GSP or an Anderson Silva. Uh, it's just, yeah, I think you're right. UFC looks at it as another fight rather than the heavyweight explosion, right? Right. Um, but that's a good point. Well, and so how much of that do you think plays into one of these storylines leading up to this fight where this could be the last time we see Francis Ngannou fight in the octagon? Like, how just with with... with the whole idea of, you know, there, there's so many other star fighters and so many other weight classes. I was listening to an interview with a recent interview with Dana White, and, and he's he, he says, like, I'm basically at the point in my life where, you know, where you need me a lot more than I need you. And if our relationship isn't great, like, you're I, I don't care about you anymore. Like, I'm not going to spend time worrying about you. So first off, just, you know, what do you make of the of that whole possibility of what we've been hearing about Francis Ngannou? And how much does that play into uh, just, you know, the whole storyline of this fight. Well, there's two points to that. I think Nganu, before he hangs it up, would want to see John Bones Jones at some point, some point in time. So I think the possibility of him leaving me, we may get him back if that fight was to happen. Now, here's the secondary piece. If he decides to go to boxing, we have to be honest with ourselves, okay? If he calls out a Deontay Wilder, he's not going to be able to go 12 rounds with Deontay Wilder. He's, not, he's just not going to be able to do it. And plus, it's a whole new sport. He's going to have to train so much different. But from a perspective of, of fans, right, with what Jake Paul's done and his fighting, we would buy Ngannou versus Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder or whoever else he wants to fight. At the end of the day, it would be so mismatched that uh, I wouldn't want to watch it. But I know Ngannou's talked about coming over to boxing. But there's more to boxing and those long rounds, uh, you know, it's a different game. We're talking to Mike Adams here on ESPN Radio 101.7. The team, Mike Adams 2.0, where you can hear his show Saturday mornings, 9 to 10 a.m. here on ESPN Radio 101.7. The team, as as somebody that is as, you know, attached to the fight game as as you are, Mike, Jake, the whole Jake Paul experience, are, are, are you with it? Or is, is it too simple to ask, you know, whether or not it's good for boxing? You know, here's, here's, here's a two-folded answer. Let me give you why he's good for boxing. Okay. You're going you're gonna to have Amanda Serrano. He's made her a star. Serrano had been boxing a long time. A lot of people had no idea who she was. And now, because of Jake Paul and these pay-per-views, he's brought along a traditional boxer, and she'll probably fight for a million-dollar purse. Unheard of unheard of, and everybody knows her name now. 
So he's done good in that perspective. The one thing I'll say about Jake Paul is I think he takes his craft very, very seriously. So I think he goes in, he works out, he puts in the work. And, and boxing is not an easy workout. The secondary piece to that, though, is that he's handpicked his opponents, which we all know, but he still has beaten guys that you would think with MMA backgrounds, okay, maybe Woodley would have a shot. Nate Robinson, we knew what was going to happen. <laughs> but Woodley, maybe there was a shot. But what he's done is bring more eyes to the sport of boxing. He's brought a generation, right, because he's a YouTube influencer. He's bringing guys to the table now that probably want to pay attention to guys like Earl Spence, to guys like Terrence Crawford, who are pound-for-pound pound incredible boxers. He doesn't have the star power of Canelo yet, but he's smart enough to call out Canelo. He's smart enough to call out Tyson to keep all eyes on him, and he learned that from Mayweather and Connor. So... I think what Jake Paul has done is keep boxing in people's vocabulary that typically wouldn't speak the word boxing. And he's calling out Dana White as well as uh, the two of them ha are having their own little back and forth. And, and speaking of you know the, the the connection with UFC and and boxing, you know you were, you were mentioning about the possibility of that being maybe next for Francis and Ganu. We've been hearing that the door is still potentially open to see another boxing match or two uh, down the road for Holly Holm. Like, how realistic do you think that is, Mike? I think it'd be great for her career. Here, here's the thing that people forget. Here's an 18-time boxing champion. She may have a couple of more than that, uh, but 18-time boxing champion. Then she's the UFC Women's Champion of the World and does it in unbelievable fashion by being the most popular female athlete at the time in Ronda Rousey. So what Holly has accomplished has never been done. We know Clarissa Shields is now in MMA. Uh, but think of the stages Holly did it on. Think of the names that she fought. Mia St. John, the coal miner's daughter. Uh, and, and then goes and beats Rousey in Australia. I think it'd be good for her if she went back to boxing. I think she could call out some of these younger, younger fighters. And I think it, it might be a nice uh, swan song. Uh, you know, as she as she's towards the latter part of her career, but I, I I wouldn't put it past her. What do you think it would it would take? Would it take you know another win or another loss even in, in, at the next UFC fight? Like, what do you think it would it would take for for her for that to maybe become a reality? Here's the nice thing, right? Holly has worked so hard that she's probably put herself in a great position. Well, after this fight, do I even want to fight anymore? If sure. I do have a passion. I have two directions that I can go. I still think she's good enough in boxing that she could go back and win a title. That, that I think, might intrigue her. And in the UFC, uh, what's next, right? With Nunez losing now, does she stay hungry enough to say, I'm going to make one more run at this? Uh, but when Nunez gets this rematch, I don't see Nunez losing. But I don't know. It, it, it's a good question, and, and it'd probably be a great question for Holly. Well, we'll have to try to arrange that sometime here pretty soon. Mike, always good to talk to you. Before we let you go, com uh, uh, coming up on the show tomorrow, Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Famer Nick Lowry as the Chiefs are getting ready to play the Buffalo Bills in the divisional round. Uh, what's what's the connection there? I mean, it, 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 you, you've been doing this now to the point where nobody's going to question the the level of guests that you get. It's always you know it's, it's always amazing the the guests that show up on Mike Adams 2.0, but just. Uh, Nick Lowry, Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Famer. How did it come to be? Well, I'll tell you this. 
Jan Stenerud and Morton Anderson are the only two field goal kickers in Canton. And as you mentioned, Nick Lowry's in the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame. Nick Lowry needs to be in Canton, Ohio. And if you break down his percentages, which we'll talk about tomorrow, we talk about the Chiefs, of course, against the Bills. But think about Nick Lowry had to kick in some of the most brutal weather, Sam. Some of the most brutal oh, yeah. weather. And these guys now get to kick in domes. I'll tell you what. Listen to the show. It's an incredible journey. Nick Lowry, a dear friend of mine. I'm excited for tomorrow. And I appreciate your listenership, Sam. You and Joe do a great job. You need to hear that because very informative, very statistical. And tomorrow, Mike Adams 2.0 brings you Nick Lowry. So that'll be coming up tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. here on ESPN Radio uh, 101.7. The team, Mike Adams 2.0, the man himself. Mike, always good chatting with you. We'll do it again soon. Take care, sir. You as well. Mike Adams 2.0. Here I'm right here on ESPN Radio 101.7. The team, and speaking of that Chiefs-Bills game, I really want to dive into this when we come back and a particular element of this game that I think we're talking too much about. That's next year on ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team.